part two section eleven of the freedom of the will by jonathan edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain the evidence of god's certain foreknowledge of the volitions of moral agents that the acts of the wills of moral agents are not contingent events in such a sense as to be without all necessity appears by god's certain foreknowledge of such events in handling this argument i would in the first place prove that god has a certain foreknowledge of the voluntary acts of moral agents and secondly show the consequence or how it follows from hence that the volitions of moral agents are not contingent so as to be without necessity of connection and consequence first i am to prove that god has an absolute and certain foreknowledge of the free actions of moral agents one would think it wholly needless to enter on such an argument with any that profess themselves christians but so it is god's certain foreknowledge of the free acts of moral agents is denied by some that pretend to believe the scriptures to be the word of god and especially of late i therefore shall consider the evidence of such a prescience in the most high as fully as the designed limits of this essay will admit supposing myself herein to have to do with such as own the truth of the bible argument one my first argument shall be taken from god's prediction of such events here i would in the first place lay down these two things as axioms one if god does not foreknow he cannot foretell such events that is he cannot peremptorily and certainly foretell them if god has no more than an uncertain guess concerning events of this kind then he can declare no more than an uncertain guess positively to foretell is to profess to foreknow or declare positive foreknowledge two if god does not certainly foreknow the future volitions of moral agents then neither can he certainly foreknow those events which are dependent on these volitions the existence of the one depending on the existence of the other the knowledge of the existence of the one depends on the knowledge of the existence of the other and the one cannot be more certain than the other therefore how many how great and how extensive soever the consequences of the volitions of moral agents may be though they should extend to an alteration of the state of things through the universe and should be continued in a series of successive events to all eternity and should in the progress of things branch forth into an infinite number of series each of them going on in an endless chain of events god must be as ignorant of all these consequences as he is of the volition whence they first take their rise and the whole state of things depending on them how important extensive and vast soever must be hid from him these positions being such as i suppose none will deny i now proceed to observe the following things one men's moral conduct and qualities their virtues and vices their wickedness and good practice things rewardable and punishable have often been foretold by god 
pharaoh's moral conduct in refusing to obey god's command in letting his people go was foretold god says to moses exodus three nineteen i am sure that the king of egypt will not let you go here god professes not only to guess at but to know pharaoh's future disobedience in chapter seven four god says but pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that i may lay mine hand upon egypt etc and chapter nine thirty moses says to pharaoh as for thee and thy servants i know that ye will not fear the lord see also chapter eleven nine the moral conduct of josiah by name in his zealously exerting himself to oppose idolatry in particular acts was foretold above three hundred years before he was born and the prophecy sealed by a miracle and renewed and confirmed by the words of a second prophet as what surely would not fail first kings thirteen one two six thirty two this prophecy was also in effect a prediction of the moral conduct of the people in upholding their schismatical and idolatrous worship until that time and the idolatry of those priests of the high places which it is foretold josiah should offer upon that altar of bethel micaiah foretold the foolish and sinful conduct of ahab in refusing to hearken to the word of the lord by him and choosing rather to hearken to the false prophets in going to ramoth gilead to his ruin first kings twenty one twenty two twenty two the moral conduct of haziel was foretold in that cruelty he should be guilty of on which haziel says what is thy servant a dog that he should do this thing the prophet speaks of the event as what he knew and not what he conjectured second kings eight twelve i know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of israel thou wilt dash their children and rip up their women with child the moral conduct of cyrus is foretold long before he had a being in his mercy to god's people and regard to the true god in turning the captivity of the jews and promoting the building of the temple isaiah forty four twenty eight and sixty five thirteen compare second chronicles thirty six twenty two twenty three and ezra one one to four how many instances of the moral conduct of the kings of the north and south particular instances of the wicked behaviour of the kings of syria and egypt are foretold in the eleventh chapter of daniel their corruption violence robbery treachery and lies and particularly how much is foretold of the horrid wickedness of antiochus epiphanes called there a vile person instead of epiphanes or illustrious in that chapter and also in chapter eight verse nine fourteen twenty three to the end are foretold his flattery deceit and lies his having his heart set to do mischief and set against the holy covenant his destroying and treading under foot the holy people in a marvellous manner his having indignation against the holy covenant setting his heart against it and conspiring against it his polluting the sanctuary of strength treading it under foot taking away the daily sacrifice and placing the abomination that maketh desolate his great pride magnifying himself against god and uttering marvellous blasphemies against him 
until god in indignation should destroy him with all the moral conduct of the jews on occasion of his persecution is predicted it is foretold that he should corrupt many by flatteries chapter eleven thirty two to thirty four but that others should behave with a glorious constancy and fortitude in opposition to him verse thirty two and that some good men should fall and repent verse thirty five christ foretold peter's sin in denying his lord with its circumstances in a peremptory manner and so that great sin of judas in betraying his master and its dreadful and eternal punishment in hell was foretold in the like positive manner matthew twenty six twenty one to twenty five and parallel places in the other evangelists too many events have been foretold by god which are dependent on the moral conduct of particular persons and were accomplished either by their virtuous or vicious actions thus the children of israel's going down into egypt to dwell there was foretold to abraham genesis fifteen which was brought about by the wickedness of joseph's brethren in selling him and the wickedness of joseph's mistress and his own signal virtue in resisting her temptation the accomplishment of the thing prefigured in joseph's dream depended on the same moral conduct jotham's parable and prophecy judges nine fifteen to twenty was accomplished by the wicked conduct of abimelech and the men of sechem the prophecies against the house of eli first samuel chapters two and three were accomplished by the wickedness of doeg the edomite in accusing the priests and the great impiety and extreme cruelty of saul in destroying the priests at nob first samuel twenty two nathan's prophecy against david second samuel twelve eleven twelve was fulfilled by the horrible wickedness of absalom in rebelling against his father seeking his life and lying with his concubines in the sight of the sun the prophecy against solomon first kings eleven eleven to thirteen was fulfilled by jeroboam's rebellion and usurpation which are spoken of as his wickedness second chronicles thirteen five six compare verse eighteen the prophecy against jeroboam's family first kings fourteen was fulfilled by the conspiracy treason and cruel murders of baasha second kings fifteen twenty seven etc the predictions of the prophet jehu against the house of baasha first kings sixteen at the beginning were fulfilled by the treason and parasite of zimri first kings sixteen nine to thirteen twenty three how often has god foretold the future moral conduct of nations and people of numbers bodies and successions of men with god's judicial proceedings and many other events consequent and dependent on their virtues and vices which could not be foreknown if the volitions of men wherein they acted as moral agents had not been foreseen the future cruelty of the egyptians in oppressing israel and god's judging and punishing them for it was foretold long before it came to pass genesis fifteen thirteen fourteen the continuance of the iniquity of the amorites and the increase of it until it should be full and they ripe for destruction was foretold above four hundred years before genesis fifteen sixteen acts seven six seven the prophecies of the destruction of jerusalem and the land of judah were absolute second kings twenty seventeen to nineteen chapter twenty two fifteen to the end it was foretold in hezekiah's time and was abundantly insisted on in the book of the prophet isaiah 
who wrote nothing after hezekiah's days it was foretold in josiah's time in the beginning of a great reformation second kings twenty two and it is manifest by innumerable things in the predictions of the prophets relating to this event its time its circumstances its continuance and end the return from the captivity the restoration of the temple city and land etc i say these show plainly that the prophecies of this great event were absolute and yet this event was connected with and dependent on two things in men's moral conduct first the injurious rapine and violence of the king of babylon and his people as the efficient cause which god often speaks of as what he highly resented and would severely punish and secondly the final obstinacy of the jews that great event is often spoken of as suspended on this jeremiah four one and five one seven one to seven eleven one to six seventeen twenty four to the end twenty five one to seven twenty six one to eight thirteen and thirty eight seventeen eighteen therefore this destruction and captivity could not be foreknown unless such a moral conduct of the chaldeans and jews had been foreknown and then it was foretold that the people should be finally obstinate to the utter desolation of the city and land isaiah six nine to eleven jeremiah one eighteen nineteen seven twenty seven to twenty nine ezekiel three seven and twenty four thirteen fourteen the final obstinacy of those jews who were left in the land of israel in their idolatry and rejection of the true god was foretold by him and the prediction confirmed with an oath jeremiah forty four twenty six twenty seven and god tells the people isaiah forty eight three four to eight that he had predicted those things which should be consequent on their treachery and obstinacy because he knew they would be obstinate and that he had declared these things beforehand for their conviction of his being the only true god etc the destruction of babylon with many of the circumstances of it was foretold as the judgment of god for the exceeding pride and haughtiness of the heads of that monarchy nebuchadnezzar and his successors and their wickedly destroying other nations and particularly for their exalting themselves against the true god and his people before any of these monarchs had a being isaiah chapter thirteen fourteen forty seven compare habakkuk two five to the end and jeremiah chapter fifty and fifty one that babylon's destruction was to be a recompense according to the works of their own hands appears by jeremiah twenty five fourteen the immorality of which the people of babylon and particularly her princes and great men were guilty that very night that the city was destroyed their revelling and drunkenness at belshazzar's idolatrous feast was foretold jeremiah fifty one thirty nine fifty seven the return of the jews from the babylonish captivity is often very particularly foretold with many circumstances and the promises of it are very peremptory jeremiah thirty one thirty five to forty and thirty two six to fifteen forty one to forty four and thirty three twenty four to twenty six and the very time of their return was prefixed jeremiah twenty five eleven twelve and twenty nine ten eleven second chronicles thirty six twenty one ezekiel four six and daniel nine two 
and yet the prophecies represent their return as consequent on their repentance and their repentance itself is very expressly and particularly foretold jeremiah twenty nine twelve thirteen fourteen thirty one eight nine eighteen two thirty one thirty three eight fifty four five ezekiel six eight nine ten seven sixteen fourteen twenty two twenty three and twenty forty three forty four it was foretold under the old testament that the messiah should suffer greatly through the malice and cruelty of men as is largely and fully set forth psalms twenty two applied to christ in the new testament matthew twenty seven thirty five forty three luke twenty three thirty four john nineteen twenty four hebrews two twelve and likewise in psalms sixty nine which it is also evident by the new testament is spoken of christ john fifteen twenty five seven five etc and two seventeen romans fifteen three matthew twenty seven thirty four forty eight mark fifteen twenty three john nineteen twenty nine the same thing is also foretold isaiah fifty three and fifty six and micah five one this cruelty of men was their sin and what they acted as moral agents it was foretold that there should be an union of heathen and jewish rulers against christ psalms two one two compared with acts four twenty five to twenty eight it was foretold that the jews should generally reject and despise the messiah isaiah forty nine five six seven and fifty three one two three psalms twenty two six seven and sixty nine four eight nineteen twenty and it was foretold that the body of that nation should be rejected in the messiah's days from being god's people for their obstinacy in sin isaiah forty nine four to seven and eight fourteen fifteen sixteen compared with romans ten nineteen and isaiah sixty five at the beginning compared with romans ten twenty twenty one it was foretold that christ should be rejected by the chief priests and rulers among the jews psalms one hundred and eighteen twenty two compared with matthew twenty one forty two acts four eleven one first peter two four seven christ himself foretold his being delivered into the hands of the elders chief priests and scribes and his being cruelly treated by them and condemned to death and that he by them should be delivered to the gentiles and that he should be mocked and scourged and crucified matthew sixteen twenty one and twenty seventeen to nineteen luke nine twenty two john eight twenty eight and that the people should be concerned in and consenting to his death luke twenty thirteen to eighteen especially the inhabitants of jerusalem luke thirteen thirty three to thirty five he foretold that the disciples should all be offended because of him that night in which he was betrayed and should forsake him matthew twenty six thirty one john sixteen thirty two he foretold that he should be rejected of that generation even the body of the people and that they should continue obstinate to their ruin matthew twelve forty five twenty one thirty three to forty two and twenty two one two seven luke thirteen sixteen twenty one twenty four seventeen twenty five nineteen fourteen twenty seven forty one to forty four twenty thirteen to eighteen and twenty three thirty four to thirty nine 
as it was foretold in both the old testament and the new that the jews should reject the messiah so it was foretold that the gentiles should receive him and so be admitted to the privileges of god's people in places too many to be now particularly mentioned it was foretold in the old testament that the jews should envy the gentiles on this account deuteronomy thirty two twenty one compared with romans ten nineteen christ himself often foretold that the gentiles would embrace the true religion and become his followers and people matthew eight ten eleven twelve twenty one forty one to forty three and twenty two eight to ten luke thirteen twenty eight fourteen sixteen to twenty four and twenty sixteen john ten sixteen he also foretold the jews envy of the gentiles on this occasion matthew twenty twelve to sixteen luke fifteen twenty six to the end he foretold that they should continue in this opposition and envy and should manifest it in the cruel persecutions of his followers to their utter destruction matthew twenty one thirty three to forty two twenty two six and twenty three thirty four to thirty nine luke sixteen forty nine to fifty one the obstinacy of the jews is also foretold acts twenty two eighteen christ often foretold the great persecutions his followers should meet with both from jews and gentiles matthew ten sixteen to eighteen twenty one twenty two thirty four to thirty six and twenty four nine mark thirteen nine luke ten three twelve eleven forty nine to fifty three and twenty one twelve sixteen seventeen john fifteen eighteen to twenty one and sixteen one to four twenty to twenty two twenty three he foretold the martyrdom of particular persons matthew twenty twenty three john thirteen thirty six and twenty one eighteen nineteen twenty two he foretold the great success of the gospel in the city of samaria as near approaching which afterwards was fulfilled by the preaching of philip john four thirty five to thirty eight he foretold the rising of many deceivers after his departure matthew twenty four four five eleven and the apostasy of many of his professed followers matthew twenty four ten twelve the persecutions which the apostle paul was to meet with in the world were foretold acts nine sixteen twenty twenty three and twenty one eleven the apostle says to the christian ephesians acts twenty twenty nine thirty i know that after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them the apostle says he knew this but he did not know it if god did not know the future actions of moral agents for unless god foreknows the future acts of moral agents all the prophecies we have in scripture concerning the great anti-christian apostasy the rise reign wicked qualities and deeds of the man of sin and his instruments and adherents the extent and long continuance of his dominion his influence on the minds of princes and others to corrupt them and draw them away to idolatry and other foul vices his great and cruel persecutions the behaviour of the saints under these great temptations etc etc i say unless the volitions of moral agents are foreseen all these prophecies are uttered without knowing the things foretold the predictions relating to this great apostasy are all of a moral nature relating to men's virtues and vices and their exercises fruits and consequences and events depending on them and are very particular and most of them often repeated with many precise characteristics descriptions and limitations of qualities conduct influence effects extent duration period circumstances 
final issue etc which it would be tedious to mention particularly and to suppose that all these are predicted by god without any certain knowledge of the future moral behaviour of free agents would be to the utmost degree absurd five unless god foreknows the future acts of men's wills and their behaviour as moral agents all those great things which are foretold both in the old testament and the new concerning the erection establishment and universal extent of the kingdom of the messiah were predicted and promised while god was in ignorance whether any of these things would come to pass or no and did but guess at them for that kingdom is not of this world it does not consist in things external but is within men and consists in the dominion of virtue in their hearts in righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost and in these things made manifest in practice to the praise and glory of god the messiah came to save men from their sins and deliver them from their spiritual enemies that they might serve him in righteousness and holiness before him he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works and therefore his success consists in gaining men's hearts to virtue in their being made god's willing people in the day of his power his conquest of his enemies consists in his victory over men's corruptions and vices and such a victory in such a dominion is often expressly foretold that his kingdom shall fill the earth that all people nations and languages should serve and obey him and so that all nations should go up to the mountain of the house of the lord that he might teach them his ways and that they might walk in his paths and that all men should be drawn to christ and the earth be full of the knowledge of the lord true virtue and religion as the waters cover the seas that god's laws should be put into men's inward parts and written in their hearts and that god's people should be all righteous etc etc a very great part of the old testament prophecies is taken up in such predictions as these and here i would observe that the prophecies of the universal prevalence of the kingdom of the messiah and true religion of jesus christ are delivered in the most peremptory manner and confirmed by the oath of god isaiah forty five twenty two to the end look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for i am god and there is none else i have sworn by myself the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear surely shall one say in the lord have i righteousness and strength even to him shall men come etc but here this peremptory declaration and great oath of the most high are delivered with such mighty solemnity respecting things which god did not know if he did not certainly foresee the volitions of moral agents and all the predictions of christ and his apostles to the like purpose must be without knowledge as those of our saviour comparing the kingdom of god to a grain of mustard seed growing exceeding great from a small beginning and to leaven hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened etc and the prophecies in the epistles concerning the restoration of the jewish nation to the true church of god and bringing in the fulness of the gentiles and the prophecies in all the revelation concerning the glorious change in the moral state of the world of mankind attending the destruction of antichrist the kingdoms of the world becoming the kingdoms of our lord and of his christ and has been granted to the church to be arrayed in that fine linen white and clean which is the righteousness of saints etc corollary one hence that great promise and oath of god to abraham isaac and jacob so much celebrated in scripture both in the old testament and the new namely that in their seed all the nations and families of the earth should be blessed 
must be made on uncertainties if god does not certainly foreknow the volitions of moral agents for the fulfilment of this promise consists in that success of christ in the work of redemption and that setting up of his spiritual kingdom over the nations of the world which has been spoken of men are blessed in christ no otherwise than as they are brought to acknowledge him trust in him love and serve him as is represented and predicted in psalms seventy two eleven all kings shall fall down before him all nations shall serve him with verse seventeen men shall be blessed in him all nations shall call him blessed this oath to jacob and abraham is fulfilled in subduing men's iniquities as is implied in that of the prophet micah chapter seven nineteen twenty corollary to hence also it appears that the first gospel promise that ever was made to mankind that great prediction of the salvation of the messiah and his victory over satan made to our first parents genesis three fifteen if there be no certain prescience of the volitions of moral agents must have no better foundation than conjecture for christ's victory over satan consists in men's being saved from sin and in the victory of virtue and holiness over that vice and wickedness which satan by his temptations has introduced and wherein his kingdom consists six if it be so that god has not a prescience of the future actions of moral agents it will follow that the prophecies of scripture in general are without foreknowledge for scripture prophecies almost all of them if not universally are either predictions of the actings and behaviour of moral agents or of events depending on them or some way connected with them judicial dispensations judgments on men for their wickedness or rewards of virtue and righteousness remarkable manifestations of favour to the righteous or manifestations of sovereign mercy to sinners forgiving their iniquities and magnifying the riches of divine grace or dispensations of providence in some respect or other relating to the conduct of the subjects of god's moral government wisely adapted thereto either providing for what should be in a future state of things through the volitions and voluntary actions of moral agents or consequent upon them and regulated and ordered according to them so that all events that are foretold are either moral events or others which are connected with and accommodated to them that the predictions of scripture in general must be without knowledge if god does not foresee the volitions of men will further appear if it be considered that almost all events belonging to the future state of the world of mankind the changes and revolutions which come to pass in empires kingdoms and nations and all societies depend in ways innumerable on the acts of men's wills yea on an innumerable multitude of millions of volitions such is the state and course of things in the world of mankind that one single event which appears in itself exceeding inconsiderable may in the progress and series of things occasion a succession of the greatest and most important and extensive events causing the state of mankind to be vastly different from what it would otherwise have been for all succeeding generations for instance the coming into existence of those particular men who have been the great conquerors of the world which under god have had the main hand in all the consequent state of the world in all after ages such as nebuchadnezzar cyrus alexander pompey julius caesar etc undoubtedly depended on many millions of acts of the will in their parents and perhaps most of these volitions depended on millions of volitions in their contemporaries of the same generation and most of these are millions of millions of volitions in preceding generations as we go back still the number of volitions which were some way the occasion of the event multiply as the branches of a river 
until they come at last as it were to an infinite number this will not seem strange to any one who well considers the matter if we recollect what philosophers tell us of the innumerable multitudes of those things which are the principia or stamina vitae concerned in generation the animalcula in semine masculo and the ova in the womb of the female the impregnation of, or animating of one of these in distinction from all the rest must depend on things infinitely minute relating to the time and circumstances of the act of the parents the state of their bodies etc which must depend on innumerable foregoing circumstances and occurrences which must depend infinite ways on foregoing acts of their wills which are occasioned by innumerable things that happen in the course of their lives in which their own and their neighbour's behaviour must have a hand in an infinite number of ways and as the volition of others must be so many ways concerned in the conception and birth of such men so no less in their preservation and circumstances of life their particular determinations and actions on which the great revolutions they were the occasions of depended as for instance when the conspirators in persia against the magi were consulting about a succession to the empire it came into the mind of one of them to propose that he whose horse neighed first when they came together the next morning should be king now such a thing coming into his mind might depend on innumerable incidents wherein the volitions of mankind had been concerned but in consequence of this accident darius the son of hystaspus was king and if this had not been probably his successor would not have been the same and all the circumstances of the persian empire might have been far otherwise then perhaps alexander might never have conquered that empire and then probably the circumstances of the world in all succeeding ages might have been vastly otherwise i might further instance in many other occurrences such as those on which depended alexander's preservation in the many critical junctures of his life wherein a small trifle would have turned the scale against him and the preservation and success of the roman people in the infancy of their kingdom and commonwealth and afterwards upon which all the succeeding changes in their state and the mighty revolutions that afterwards came to pass in the habitable world depended but these hints may be sufficient for every discerning considerate person to convince him that the whole state of the world of mankind in all ages and the very being of every person who has ever lived in it in every age since the times of the ancient prophets has depended on more volitions or acts of the wills of men than there are sands on the seashore and therefore unless god does most exactly and perfectly foresee the future acts of men's wills all the predictions which he ever uttered concerning david hezekiah josiah nebuchadnezzar cyrus alexander concerning the four monarchies and the revolutions in them and concerning all the wars commotions victories prosperity and calamities of any kingdoms nations or communities in the world have all been without knowledge so that according to this notion god not foreseeing the volitions and free actions of men he could foresee nothing appertaining to the state of the world of mankind in future ages not so much as the being of one person that should live in it and could foreknow no events but only such as he would bring to pass himself by the extraordinary interposition of his immediate power or things which should come to pass in the natural material world by the laws of motion and course of nature wherein that is independent on the actions or works of mankind that is as he might like a very able mathematician and astronomer with great exactness calculate the revolutions of the heavenly bodies and the greater wheels of the machine of the external creation 
and if we closely consider the matter there will appear reason to convince us that he could not with any absolute certainty foresee even these as to the first namely things done by the immediate and extraordinary interposition of god's power these cannot be foreseen unless it can be foreseen when there shall be occasion for such extraordinary interposition and that cannot be foreseen unless the state of the moral world can be foreseen for whenever god thus interposes it is with regard to the state of the moral world requiring such divine interposition thus god could not certainly foresee the universal deluge the calling of abraham the destruction of sodom and gomorrah the plagues on egypt and israel's redemption out of it the expelling of the seven nations of canaan and the bringing israel into that land for these all are represented as connected with things belonging to the state of the moral world nor can god foreknow the most proper and convenient time of the day of judgment and general conflagration for that chiefly depends on the course and state of things in the moral world nor secondly can we on this supposition reasonably think that god can certainly foresee what things shall come to pass in the course of things in the natural and material world even those which in an ordinary state of things might be calculated by a good astronomer for the moral world is the end of the natural world and the course of things in the former is undoubtedly subordinate to god's designs with respect to the latter therefore he has seen cause from regard to the state of things in the moral world extraordinarily to interpose to interrupt and lay an arrest on the course of things in the natural world and unless he can foresee the volitions of men and so know something of the future state of the moral world he cannot know but that he may still have as great occasion to interpose in this manner as ever he had nor can he foresee how or when he shall have occasion thus to interpose corollary one it appears from the things observed that unless god foresees the volitions of moral agents that cannot be true which is observed by the apostle james acts fifteen eighteen known unto god are all his works from the beginning of the world corollary two it appears that unless god foreknows the volitions of moral agents all the prophecies of scripture have no better foundation than mere conjecture and that in most instances a conjecture which must have the utmost uncertainty depending on an innumerable multitude of volitions which are all even to god uncertain events however these prophecies are delivered as absolute predictions and very many of them in the most positive manner with asseverations and some of them with the most solemn oaths corollary three it also follows that if this notion of god's ignorance of future volitions be true in vain did christ say after uttering many great and important predictions depending on men's moral actions matthew twenty four thirty five heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away corollary four from the same notion of god's ignorance it would follow that in vain has he himself often spoken of the predictions of his word as evidences of foreknowledge of that which is his prerogative as god and his peculiar glory greatly distinguishing him from all other beings as in isaiah forty one twenty two to twenty six forty three nine ten forty four eight forty five twenty one forty six ten and forty eight fourteen argument two if god does not foreknow the volitions of moral agents then he did not foreknow the fall of man 
nor of angels and so could not foreknow the great things which are consequent on these events such as his sending his son into the world to die for sinners and all things pertaining to the great work of redemption all the things which were done for four thousand years before christ came to prepare the way for it and the incarnation life death resurrection and ascension of christ setting him at the head of the universe as king of heaven and earth angels and men and setting up his church and kingdom in this world and appointing him the judge of the world and all that satan should do in the world in opposition to the, the kingdom of christ and the great transactions of the day of judgment etc and if god was thus ignorant the following scriptures and others like them must be without any meaning or contrary to truth ephesians one four according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world first peter one twenty who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world second timothy one nine who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in christ jesus before the world began so ephesians three eleven speaking of the wisdom of god in the work of redemption according to the eternal purpose which he proposed in christ jesus titus one two in hope of eternal life which god that cannot lie promised before the world began romans eight twenty nine whom he did foreknow them he also did predestinate etc first peter one two elect according to the foreknowledge of god the father if god did not foreknow the fall of man nor the redemption by jesus christ nor the volitions of man since the fall then he did not foreknow the saints in any sense neither as particular persons nor as societies or nations either by election or by mere foresight of their virtue or good works or any foresight of anything about them relating to their salvation or any benefit they have by christ or any manner of concern of theirs with a redeemer argument three on the supposition of god's ignorance of the future volitions of free agents it will follow that god must in many cases truly repent what he has done so as properly to wish he had done otherwise by reason that the event of things in those affairs which are most important viz the affairs of his moral kingdom being uncertain and contingent often happens quite otherwise than he was before aware of and there would be reason to understand that in the most literal sense genesis six six it repented the lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart and first samuel fifteen eleven contrary to numbers twenty three nineteen god is not the son of man that he should repent and first samuel fifteen twenty nine also the strength of israel will not lie nor repent for he is not a man that he should repent yea from this notion it would follow that god is liable to repent and be grieved at his heart in a literal sense continually and is always exposed to an infinite number of real disappointments in governing the world and to manifold constant great perplexity and vexation but this is not very consistent with his title of god over all blessed for evermore which represents him as possessed of perfect constant and uninterrupted tranquillity and felicity as god over the universe and in his management of the affairs of the world as supreme and universal ruler see romans one twenty five nine five second corinthians eleven thirty one first timothy six fifteen argument four it will also follow from this notion that as god is liable to be continually repenting of what he has done so he must be exposed to be constantly changing his mind and intentions as to his future conduct altering his measures relinquishing his old designs and forming new schemes and projects 
for his purposes even as to the main parts of his scheme such as belong to the state of his moral kingdom must be always liable to be broken through want of foresight and he must be continually putting his system to rights as he gets out of order through the contingence of the actions of moral agents he must be a being who instead of being absolutely immutable must necessarily be the subject of infinitely the most numerous acts of repentance and changes of intention of any being whatsoever for this plain reason that his vastly extensive charge comprehends an infinitely greater number of those things which are to him contingent and uncertain in such a situation he must have little else to do but to mend broken links as well as he can and be rectifying his disjointed frame and disordered movements in the best manner the case will allow the supreme lord of all things must needs be under great and miserable disadvantages in governing the world which he has made and of which he has the care through his being utterly unable to find out things of chief importance which hereafter shall befall his system for which if he did but know he might make seasonable provision in many cases there may be very great necessity that he should make provision in the manner of his ordering and disposing things for some great events which are to happen of vast and extensive influence and endless consequence to the universe which he may see afterwards when it is too late and may wish in vain that he had known before that he might have ordered his affairs accordingly and it is in the power of man on these principles by his devices purposes and actions thus to disappoint god break his measures make him continually change his mind subject him to vexation and bring him into confusion but how do these things consist with reason or with the word of god which represents that all god's works all that he is ever to do the whole scheme and series of his operations are from the beginning perfectly in his view and declares that whatever devices and designs are in the hearts of men the counsel of the lord shall stand in the thoughts of his heart to all generations proverbs nineteen twenty one psalms thirty three ten eleven and that which the lord of hosts hath proposed none shall disannul isaiah fourteen twenty seven and that he cannot be frustrated in one design or thought job forty two two and that which god doth it shall be for ever that nothing can be put to it or taken from it ecclesiastes three fourteen the stability and perpetuity of god's counsels are expressly spoken of as connected with his foreknowledge isaiah forty six ten declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and i will do my pleasure and how are these things consistent with what the scripture says of god's immutability which represents him as without variableness or shadow of turning and speaks of him most particularly as unchangeable with regard to his purposes malachi three six i am the lord i change not therefore ye sons of jacob are not consumed exodus three fourteen i am that i am job twenty three thirteen fourteen he is in one mind and who can turn him and what his soul desireth even that he doth for he performeth the thing that is appointed for me argument five if this notion of god's ignorance of future volitions of moral agents be thoroughly considered in its consequences it will appear to follow from it that god after he had made the world was liable to be wholly frustrated of his end in the creation of it and so has been in like manner liable to be frustrated of his end in all the great work he had wrought it is manifest the moral world is the end of the natural the rest of the creation is but a house which god hath built with furniture for moral agents 
and the good or bad state of the moral world depends on the improvement they make of their natural agency and so depends on their volitions and therefore if these cannot be foreseen by god because they are contingent and subject to no kind of necessity then the affairs of the moral world are liable to go wrong to any assignable degree yea liable to be utterly ruined as on this scheme it may well be supposed to be literally said when mankind by the abuse of their moral agency became very corrupt before the flood that the lord repented that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart so when he made the universe he did not know but that he might be so disappointed in it that it might grieve him at his heart that he had made it it actually proved that all mankind became sinful and a very great part of the angels apostatized and how could god know before that all of them would not and how could god know but that all mankind notwithstanding means used to reclaim them being still left to the freedom of their own will would continue in their apostasy and grow worse and worse as they of the old world before the flood did according to the scheme i am endeavouring to confute the fall of neither men nor angels could be foreseen and god must be greatly disappointed in these events and so the grand contrivance for our redemption and destroying the works of the devil by the messiah and all the great things god has done in the prosecution of these designs must be only the fruits of his own disappointment contrivances to mend as well as he could his system which originally was all very good and perfectly beautiful but was broken and confounded by the free will of angels and men and still he must be liable to be totally disappointed a second time he could not know that he should have his desired success in the incarnation life death resurrection and exaltation of his only begotten son and other great works accomplished to restore the state of things he could not know after all whether there would actually be any tolerable measure of restoration for this depended on the free will of man there has been a general great apostasy of almost all the christian world to that which was worse than heathenism which continued for many ages and how could god without foreseeing men's volitions know whether ever christendom would return from this apostasy and which way would he foretell how soon it would begin the apostle says it began to work in his time and how could it be known how far it would proceed in that age yea how could it be known that the gospel which was not effectual for the reformation of the jews would ever be effectual for the turning of the heathen nations from their heathen apostasy which they had been confirmed in for so many ages it is represented often in scripture that god who made the world for himself and created it for his pleasure would infallibly obtain his end in the creation and in all his works that as all things are of him so they would all be to him and that in the final issue of things it would appear that he is the first and the last revelations twenty one six and he said unto me it is done i am alpha and omega the beginning and the end the first and the last but these things are not consistent with god's liability to be disappointed in all his works nor indeed with his failing of his end in anything that he has undertaken end of part two section eleven